0: Again, a Merry Christmas to each of you and blessings to you on this uh, first Sunday of Christmas, the eighth day of Christmas, as we move uh, toward a new year tomorrow, 2024, but also as we move toward uh, Epiphany on Saturday, celebrating the coming of the Magi, these great 12 days of Christmas. So uh, it's a beautiful season and we've been blessed abundantly. Uh, over these last weeks, I've talked about that we, our theme has been prepare the way for the Lord or prepare the way of the Lord. And uh, early on in Advent, uh, which is a word that means coming, we talked about John the Baptist. And if you were with us, you know that he was a cousin probably to Jesus, was a bit older, uh, a miracle baby for Zechariah and Elizabeth who were older in age. And uh, he began to proclaim a word of preparing the way of the Lord and that indeed the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed who had been promised would be coming and that we should prepare the way. We heard beautiful stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the miraculous birth of John. We also heard the hard life of John the Baptist who lived in the wilderness and wore camel's hair and ate honey and locusts and proclaimed this uh, gift of the coming of Jesus. And then over these last few days, we have celebrated beautiful Advent choral programs, amen, and our children and, and their beautiful gifts and uh, lots of soloists and special music and on Christmas Eve through five services a full day we rejoice that indeed Christ is born. And too often then we kind of wrap it up. Like, okay, it's done. We'll have our, our New Year's Eve party and it'll all be done. But the reality is there are 12 days of Christmas, right? And there's more to the Christmas story than just the birth of Jesus. We also get a few glimpses into his childhood. And in all of this, especially the, the reading that you heard Wanda read, the second reading, it's all about blessing, right? Right? So I want you to think about the word blessing. Uh, sometimes you will say this, uh, We'll offer a blessing over the meal, which uh, we often do, or uh, this church, we're very we bless a lot of things, right? And that word bless" uh, comes from the Hebrew word Barak, which means uh, not only a blessing or God's favor, but it means wholeness and peace. It has much deeper meaning. It doesn't mean just goodwill, but it, rem- it means that whole Shalom thing, that whole deep sense of peace and restoration. And wholeness that when I pray blessing upon you or blessing upon someone or even blessing on a meal I'm praying that in all of that blessing there will be peace and wholeness and restoration and renewal right that it's a much bigger thing than just a blessing right and then the the Greek word eulogio I've had a little trouble this morning um, which is a word that also means similar things of blessing, but it expands that blessing to just say favor, God's favor, God's direction, God's love and grace in that. And the word eulogio actually is the root word for eulogizing people, right? You remember we often do eulogies at funerals and memorial services because we're grateful for them, right? And we want to celebrate the blessing their life has been to us. And this past week, we celebrated the beautiful services of both Don Jones and Marilyn Shower. And in both of those, we heard stories, stories of blessing. And you probably have thought of that as well. Now, I, when I got here, I, I, I'm a big blessing person. And someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, boy, we bless a lot of things around here, right? We bless the youth when they go on mission trips. We bless Christmas trees, advent wreaths, nativity sets and poinsettias. All because we are grateful for the way they point us to Jesus, right? We bless our children all the time. We love their voices in the room, even now, right? Which remind us of God's goodness and blessing to us. We, we bless people as they depart. We bless people as they come. We offer blessings when people are baptized and children are baptized at the font. All of that is, be, is more than gratitude. It's a deep sense of wanting grace and wholeness and peace. It's interesting, in some traditions, uh, blessing goes beyond kind of church stuff, right? Uh, in the Filipino tradition, uh, often, and I've done some of these, when a kid gets his driver's license and his first car, they do a whole blessing service over the car and the person. And I, I think that's not a bad idea, amen, right? <laughs> Probably as I turn 60, you should bless me driving the car, amen, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so so the, the, the blessing uh, of that tradition is important, and there are lots of other blessings. A friend of mine served out in western northern Illinois uh, near uh, Walnut, uh, I don't know, how many of you have been to Walnut, Illinois, a few people maybe, well, it looks like nobody, well anyway there's a great pizza hut there so I hope you'll make the trip, but uh, he uh, served a, a rural church and when he got there they said, now pastor, you know that in the spring we invite you to bless the tractors and bless the field. And so he called me, how do you bless a tractor? Look, I grew up on a farm, but we didn't bless our tractors, probably should have. Uh, But he did this whole service. He went from farm to farm and blessed the tractors and blessed the fields for a good spring and a good planting. And then just when he thought the blessings were done in the fall, he said, Pastor, you're going to have to bless the combines, right, because we're about to harvest. And so John went back and blessed all of these combines and all the harvest, and, and we laughed about that. But the more I thought about what Barak and Eugenio mean, it's fascinating to me. It was giving gratitude for these instruments of planting and harvest, but it was really giving thanks for all of God's goodness in every part of the cycle of life. Amen? So blessings are important for us, and they're important for our children. And I hope you uh, bless your grandchildren and children frequently with prayer and gratitude because it's their voices and their joy that remind us of God's goodness and grace, especially in this season. So today you heard the story so beautifully read by Wanda. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And I just want you to know that Luke is very intentional to connect The Judaism of Jesus' heritage to the church that was emerging, right? He wants to show us this is not something brand new and we're releasing the past. He's saying this is the fulfillment of everything we have believed. It is the continued extension of God's covenant to Abraham, to the people of Israel, etc., etc. You see what I'm saying? And so this story is all about blessing. So Jesus has been born, and the shepherds have come and visited, and the angels have sung their songs. But the reality is, it's now time to follow some ritual and tradition. And ritual is important, isn't it? We all have our own traditions and rituals. So after eight days, according to the law uh, in Hebrew scripture, uh, it was time to circumcise Jesus and to call his name and to give him his name, and so that's what Mary and Joseph did, and sometimes it's called a bris, you've probably heard of that before, at eight days of age, Jesus was circumcised, his name was given, and what's interesting is, this name was not necessarily a family name, much like John the Baptist, remember Gabriel had told Matthew that's what he would be called, right, and, and so we know this is a name from, from God, and Jesus is a derivative of Yeshua which is Joshua, which means God saves. I know you know that, but it's just always important to remember this name has deep connections to the prophet Joshua, who we studied earlier this year. So eight days happens. Uh, The circumcision and the naming have happened. Mary and Joseph are faithful to the law and the tradition. And then we read in verse 22, Luke kind of compacts these together we think that uh, uh, Mary and Joseph had stayed in Bethlehem for a while with family, so 40 days later, you were supposed to the mother was supposed to be purified uh, and go through a ritual of purification, and then the child, if it was a firstborn son, was to be redeemed from God for five shekels. You just paid five shekels to the temple, and that way you got to keep the firstborn son. Kind of an interesting ritual. Yeah, I'm a firstborn. I don't know if my parents would have paid it or not. I don't know, we'll see, right? So when the time came for the purification, which was required by the law of Moses, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem. So this time they go to the temple. You see how Luke's connecting us to this important place. They brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. This is where the redemption happens. And they, they offered a sacrifice According to what is stated in the law of the Lord. And if we went to uh, Old Testament or Hebrew scripture, really the the dedication offering should have been a lamb and a dove or a lamb and a turtle dove. But there was an exception. If you lived in poverty, you could do two turtle doves and two pigeons because you had to pay for those at the temple gift shop. Amen, right? So this says something to us about Mary and Joseph. They're not wealthy people. In fact, they're, they're, they're probably people who lived in poverty. And Jesus was not born in a affluent home. In fact, Jesus would not have been born in any of our homes or hospitals, right? He might have been born on the street or in poverty in some place. And, and that's really Luke's intention for us to hear this indirectly in the offering that's made. Now, what's interesting is what's missing. Remember I told you there was an the importance of purification for the mother after 40 days. We know that Jesus was about six weeks. We know that they offer the simplest of offering they can by law, but what's missing is the redemption. There's no there's no word that the five shekels were paid. A lot of scholars believe that's intentional because Mary and Joseph never expected to redeem uh, Jesus from God, but that he would remain uh, with God, much like Samuel. Remember Samuel, Hannah, she wanted a baby so bad, couldn't have one. Uh, finally prayed with fervency, God, if you will, I'll dedicate my son to you. That's exactly what happened. They went to the temple. Eli received him and Samuel was raised in the temple. And though Jesus was not fully raised in the temple, the lack of redemption probably says to us that they already knew that this child belonged to God. And we won't read this story today, but following this passage, Jesus, at age 12, goes to the temple, remember? And when Mary and Joseph leave, they think he's with the cousins. He's not. He's not. And they have to go back and find him, eventually find him in the temple after a lot of frantic searches. They didn't have the tracking devices we have for our kids now, right? And, um, and, and wildly enough, Jesus says, why were you afraid? Wouldn't you know I was in my father's house, right? So that temple thing and redemption thing are present. And then we meet two people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon is uh, uh, an older man. Uh, he was full of righteousness and extremely devout. And he was looking forward to the consolation or restoration of evil of, of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit rested on him. And had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Luke is all about the Holy Spirit, right? Remember? Hello? I know it's been a long Christmas. Amen. But he's always lifting the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit rested on him. And it revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed. And guided by the Spirit, Luke says it a lot here. Simeon came to the temple. He didn't come by chance. He felt prompted, and many of us know what it's like to be prompted, right? To feel the Spirit leading us somewhere. And when the parents brought the child of Jesus to forward, um, Simeon saw him, and I, th- I think this is a little unnerving. Simeon just takes Jesus in his arms, the six-week-old baby. And I'm sure Mary's like, Who is this guy? And Joseph says, I don't know. But all of a sudden, Simeon took him in his arms and he sang this beautiful hymn. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, sometimes called the nonc dimittis, which is the first two words in Latin. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have finally seen your salvation which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He sings this beautiful song over the baby, rejoicing that that promise has been kept, and now he has seen the Messiah, he has seen the anointed. And some people believe that this particular set of verses was an ancient hymn of the early church, that the church sang frequently about being grateful to encounter the Christ. And then it's a beautiful, you kind of want it to end here, right? It's so beautiful, the song's beautiful, you know, the blessings have happened, Uh, all of the rituals are done, Uh, but Simeon goes on, and it's tough stuff. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said. I'm sure they were always amazed, right? And then Simeon blessed them, that's that word, right? Blessed them, that wholeness. And then he says directly to Mary, and this is where things get interesting, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and Mary's sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, I, I, that, That's not really what you want to hear at your child's uh, presentation or dedication or, or whatever, but Simeon both offered this glorious blessing, right, and joy of who he would be, and all of the gifts that are coming but we also know when good news comes evil resists right and so simeon just gave a word to mary that though this is going to be beautiful many will rise and many will fall many will be challenged and they will resist and this was a glimpse into the journey that jesus would encounter so after simeon takes his departure Then the prophet Anna comes, and there were prophets. You remember Miriam was a prophet, Deborah was a prophet, Um, Isaiah's wife was a prophet. And these are female prophets, and she's the daughter of Fenuel and the tribe of Asher. Now, remember, there were 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob. Asher was really kind of an unknown, right? Way up in the north part near present-day Lebanon, never really conquered the whole place, But Asher means the anointed one or the favored one or or the blessed one. Isn't that interesting? But Asher was kind of an unknown group. But here's Anna all the way from the northern kingdom in the temple. And we're told that she basically lived there. She had a husband of seven years. And then after their, their marriage of seven years, he died. And then it's a little confusing. It says 84 years. Some scholars believe she was 84 But then others think she was 84 after the seven years of marriage which would make her around 105 104 so either way she's older than most of us amen right and she never left the temple but she worshiped there fasting and praying night and day again luke wants to show you the connection of jesus to the faithfulness of the law the faithfulness of worship and the faithfulness of the temple and at that moment She came forward and she began to praise God and she began to speak about the child and to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Now we don't have her words, but we know they probably were similar to Simeon. And here in this moment, these two strangers, both representing all of Israel's history and tradition, both man and woman, much like Zechariah and Elizabeth, proclaim this amazing blessing and revelation about this baby. And then in verse 39... When they had finished everything required by the Lord, remember Luke wants you to know that, they returned now to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I want you to think about this as we go forth in this day, as we celebrate a New Year's Eve tonight and usher in a new year tomorrow, that blessing would be a part of your preparations. And I would challenge you today, I know you're busy making your black-eyed peas or buying your pickled herring, that's important, amen, right? Traditions for New Year's uh, in some traditions. Um, And I know you're preparing for parties and preparing for everything, and you'll be watching the Rose Bowl parade and all that stuff tomorrow, but I think all of that, just push aside for a minute, and I want you just to think about the people who have blessed you, right? Really, just take a moment. Who has been a blessing to you this year? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandparents, maybe it's your mom and dad, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's somebody here, maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood, but I'm going to challenge you, this is, this is wild, get ready, I'm going to challenge you today or tomorrow to call them and say, as the new year begins, you have been a blessing to me. You can email them if you want, and I know some of us will text it because that's what we do, right? But what would it mean for us to be intentional, to be grateful for somebody who has been a blessing to us? And then I would invite you, you do your resolutions. I always do mine, rarely keep them, but anyway, right? But But my point is, what would it mean for you to write on a piece of paper or on the refrigerator or somewhere or in your notes in your phone I'm going to bless these people in the coming weeks. I want to be a blessing to someone else as a way to prepare hearts and prepare the world to continually receive the gift of Christ, right? So we can talk all about it all we want, but until we actually make a plan, we don't really offer blessing and receive blessing because we're not intentional. Simeon and Anna were intentional to come forward, Mary and Joseph followed the law and did everything they were supposed to. And in all of that, all of these blessings happened. And I pray that those blessings will be true for you in this new year. It's fun to be a part of blessings. Many, many years ago, I baptized my best friend's oldest child, Josiah. And I was able to baptize him in the church where they were serving and then to offer a blessing over him and his family. Josiah's now in his late 20s, right? He went on the Holy Land trip with us. He's had his ups and downs. But I was just talking to his dad on Wednesday and hearing about him and some amazing things he's doing to kind of get his life in order. And I just realized what a blessing he's been to me. Uh, And then hopefully I've been a blessing to him. On Christmas Eve at 4.30... One of the children that I baptized several years ago, she's now four or five, Evelyn, she came through the line, and she remembered me, and she knows me, and so she hugged me, and then she turned to her mother and said, I just hugged Pastor James because I was supposed to, <laughs> right? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And she told her mom, I, I hugged Pastor James. but she didn't know is she blessed me. I blessed her five years ago, four years ago. You blessed her in your covenant with her. But she blessed me in that moment. And the 430 service was so much better because of a four-year-old's blessing at the door. So be attentive to Barak or Eugenio or blessing. Realize that it's more than gratitude, though it is. Let us be a blessing to others. And may we give thanks for those who are blessing us. Don't forget to make that phone call. Don't forget to send that email. Don't put it off. You can even do it now if you want. Don't make the phone call. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's be a blessing to others and give thanks for the ways we've been blessed. Amen.